You know, that song. Encore. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. Your perfect love. I mean, church, wow. Listen, it is time we as churches have revival. It is time we get excited about the living God. He is not dead. He is alive. And until we realize that God is using people, listen, God used D.L. Moody. God used Charles Spurgeon. God can use you. God is using artists today like he did when he had Fanny Crosby. Like he did when he had the old cathedrals and Bill and Gloria Gaither. Listen to the words and let the words deliver you. I love that in some of the songs and some of the words that what is taking place is that, you know, we have to embody and encompass truly what, you know, some of the words have to say. I am no longer a slave to fear. And church, we have come to a place in our life where there's so much medicine out there for anxiety. I have anxiety. I'm going to confess I was in the bathroom right before I came out here because I get nervous when I step up on this platform. Reality is this. We deal with anxiety and it is real. But when that part of that song comes out where it says, He split the sea so I could walk right through it. Woo! You know what that tells me? That I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am no longer slave to the things of the past. And that's what we're leading into. You know, daring to be different and what God is doing in all of our lives is, is, is trying to transform us and to change us. I don't want to be the church of yesterday. I want to be relevant today and reach people where they're at today. We're dealing with so much stuff that we are slave to sin. God sent his son and we are free church. He died on the cross. He was beat on, spit on. A crown of thorns were pressed in his head. And yet, we don't take the seriousness of the deliverance that took place because of the blood of Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I am no longer a slave to what the enemy has to say about me to others. Because today, church, I stand up here to say I am walking with Christ and for Christ. I hope you can say the same thing. I know the kids are going to be dismissed, but we're going to start off with our Bible decree. So there's little people in here you could take off, and we'll start off and do our Bible decree today. If you have your Bible, this is why we come to church. This is why I carry my Bibles, plural, up here. Because I love the Word of God. And if we don't have the Word and we can't hide it in our hearts, we don't have freedom in Christ. Do you love the Word of God? Hold it high. Let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me get my bearings together. You can turn me down some. Because if not, I'm going to start getting some major feedback here. And then when I start preaching real loud, then I'm going to have to wake some of you up. Dear to be different, walk in Him. Um, Do you have our church covenant? Is it back there on the screen? Did they get that downloaded? I want you to put that up. I'm going to start... This message off today, and I, I had a little meeting with God in the, my prayer closet. That's the back stall of the bathroom now that I don't have an office. So, as I was telling him, and we were just praying together, me and John the Baptist. And uh, anyhow, I, I just have to say that, you know, I love who we are. I love what our community is and how we embody Christ. And I wanted this to to become who we are. This is our mission. This is our covenant. And it says this to church. Watch closely. We at New Hope live like Jesus is our key. People are our point. 
Worship is our passion. Community is our design. Faith is our response. Generosity is our norm. And serving is our privilege. But the very first point is Jesus is our key. If we don't make Jesus our key, then we don't have church. We can't walk in him. We can't walk with him. Jesus Christ has to be the key to what we're doing. And we at New Hope live like these things. And those are the things that we should embody and live and exhibit in our life. I'm doing this series on Dare to be Different. You can take it off now. I'm done with it. Um, Dare to be Different because walking in Him is all of these things. But when, when I was uh, putting together my thoughts and I, I was like, okay, I wanted to be dare to be different in discipleship. I want to be dare to be different in, in worship. I want to dare to be different through my praise, dare to be different in my community, dare to be different in, in all these things in my family with my wife. I just, I, I want to be different. And yet, as I s- sat on my deck to put all these thoughts together, I sat and I sat and I sat some more and I kept thinking to myself, I can't, I can't do this. And I said, oh, I know where I'm going with this. Dare to, for discipleship, dare to be different in my discipleship. Well, what's that model look like? And, you know, I started putting some things together and I wrote Pastor Luke and Allie. I said, okay, message title, put it on the screen, dare to be different in discipleship. And as I sat there, I, I got this, uh, this void that came in my mind and God says, oh, no, you're not preaching on that. I said, okay. Cricket. 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 Well, and then, so I, I said, well, God, where are you leading with this? What do you want me to say? He goes, here's what I want you to say. How about dare to be different walking in him? Daring to be different walking in Christ. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32 is where God brought my attention to and, uh, and decided to, to start putting all of this together. But Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32 is probably such a great text on who we are about faith and how to live our life. And what is it that our life looks like? See, Christian life is this. Faith is our community. Separation and walking in Christ means that, you know, old things are passed away, but all things become new. We start to uh, take on the characteristics of Christ. We get saved. We get baptized. We start surrendering. We start doing what God would have for us. But, but we start off this text, and God's doing it to me again because this isn't in my notes. But we start off this text, and I'm, I'm just following this morning, that in, in the death of John the Baptist, you know, here is Herod. He, he didn't, you know, John the Baptist, he's uh, in prison. And yet he said, I can't behead him. I can't kill him. We can imprison him because of the stand that he takes because he's walking with God. I'll go ahead and do this, but I can't. I've made a promise. And yet there's... Herod's wife's daughter, let me just read it, I believe it was, let me just read this text. When Herod, first of all, verse 1, Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. This is why he can, he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. John had been telling Herod it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But here we are. Now there's a party going on. People are always filled up with pride and they're celebrating. And then all of a sudden in verse 6, but at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said. But because of the vow he had made in front of his guest, he issued the necessary order so John was beheaded in the prison. 
And his head was brought on a tray given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. You know, here we have John going on, great friend of Jesus. And, and they're, they've been intertwined since birth, before, before birth. And yet, all of a sudden, he is persecuted, he is beheaded because he was walking with a man whose name was Jesus. So I ask you a question. When things become hard and you're imprisoned, all of a sudden, do you start to lose faith in saying, why am I in this place what is God doing with me? Or is your faith increased saying, God, I know I'm a slave to sin. But I'm a child of God. Here's John the Baptist. He didn't waver. He was walking with and then it starts to unfold, and the Scripture starts to tell the story of Jesus, how he feeds the 5,000. And all of a sudden, a miracle takes place, and they're thinking to themselves, how can this even take place with such little food? Five loaves and two fish. Come on now. If I said to you guys today, we're all going to hang out here together. And we're going to have five loaves and two fish. My wife's favorite story of the Bible. You hadn't noticed, had you? You all would look at me and go, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yet Jesus had 5,000 people that were following him. And then he has these 12 disciples who are always questioning if he truly is the Messiah. Is he truly the Son of God? And yet all of a sudden, something takes place. Jesus performs a miracle, and he starts to feed. And before long, all the disciples are passing out food left and right. We've had to do that here at New Hope. There are times... That some of you ladies and men have gone to my wife and said, we don't have enough food to feed these people. She goes, oh, yeah, we do. God gives the increase. Some of you know that, too. So she keeps always claiming, oh, we'll have enough. Five loaves, two fish. You go by faith. So the premise to what I'm starting to say here is just this. In our Christian life, if we can learn from this text, is that Jesus will take Nothing and turn it into something. And in your life, in your walk with him, if you will just surrender to him, God will take all of the things that you don't feel that you have, the attributes, the characteristics, because you keep saying, I can't. And you need to say, I can, because you can do all things through Christ. Start having that premise of faith and living your life in faith and you can walk in him. Who messed up these chairs? Thank you. I was distracting me. And um, can we lock these things together? Anyhow, my OCD was kicking in. We have got to realize something. That when God speaks, we move. So the disciples are watching him and all of this is unfolding. And here's the platform that's taking place. He's teaching them a simple little principle. Well, no, we cannot feed people of this magnitude, of this multitude. We can't do it. But, oh, what I can do is we can feed them when I perform a miracle. And as the disciples were watching and as the crowds were watching, this took place. So they feed everybody. Everybody's filled to overflowing. They're fat and they're sassy. And many of them probably start going back and telling people, What's been going on? Kind of reminds me of our church. You know, in the very beginning when we started New Hope, it was, it was really interesting because um, 14 years ago in September, we'll be celebrating our 14th year anniversary. And, uh, and right from the beginning, I had some opposition 
where, where people were saying, oh, they'll never make it. They'll never make it. They'll never make it. And I say this all the time. And, and if you're able to be here for our anniversary service, I'll share some stories about where we came from. But when we were on a deck on 4th Street with 27 people, yes, I stood up there behind my music stand, greatest PA system that was alive. It was a little CD player that was about this big. Makes me seem like I'm going back to 1980, doesn't it? And, um, you know, we had our little makeshift uh, sound system. And as I looked on that deck and we were all in a relaxing atmosphere, I thought to myself, oh, God, I can't do this. I can't. This, this is, wow. This is a big, huge undertaking. And these people came here to listen to the word. And I said, okay, God, you're right. They didn't come to listen to me. They came to listen to the word of God. So those 27 people, those kids, many are gone. Some are still here in this room. As we started that church, you went by faith. You saw the possibility of 5,000. No, we haven't gotten to 5,000 in the service, but we did over Easter weekend hit over 1,000. Praise the Lord. And because you have vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And so when we, when we live by faith, we start to have doubts within our own life, within our own hearts. Because of our past, which we feel defines our future, makes us who we are today, we start to lose faith. And as those disciples were looking, and as, as I was looking out upon the magnitude of 27 people that were sitting around a deck, I had those same thoughts. Is this possible? Then we went over to Abroad the YMCA from the YMCA to Grant Street from Grant Street one year anniversary at Riverside Drive at 1157. God opened up the doors and miraculous things took place. We've seen people saved, lives changed. We've seen people changed from Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, occults changed to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because in my inadequacies, I realized that he can make me adequate. And when we look at this text, and I'm building up to something here, we realize that we can't do anything in and of our own power or will. It has to be with Christ. Christ who lives in us, dwells in us, it is who we are. So when I think of walking in Christ, I think, man, it's been difficult. It's been very difficult. Church, listen to me. When you pick up the cross of Christ and you carry the weight, it's not going to be easy. Peer pressure. Man, peer pressure happened when I was this big to this big. I used to be about this tall, but I think my age is shrinking me. Does that happen to you guys? I was 6'2 at one time. I think I was. Yeah, I know, wasn't it? But, uh, you know, so age starts to shrink. But reality is this. We all grow. And even though there's opposition when you serve the Lord, because the devil hates your guts. He doesn't like you. And people will pick you apart. They will make you start to falter and think in your mind that you're not worthy of his love. And you are worthy of God's love. And, and so throughout this journey of 14 years, man, I remember being in high school and, and I can go way back when and people would tease me. There's the preacher boy. There's the preacher boy. What's a preacher boy? Yeah, I love God. I love people. Well, I probably was the preacher boy because every time class came up and there was an argument on something, I couldn't help but proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, who wouldn't, right? So this little skinny pencil head boy all of a sudden starts to stand up. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget my speech teacher. He was saying, um, uh, hey, Todd, I want you to, you know, we're going to do uh, influential speeches, how to influence people. So I thought, how to influence people? How would I do that? Oh, I got an idea. I'm going to preach on the second coming of Christ. Because everything had to have a gospel message. I'm going to influence them that Jesus is coming back and you need to get saved. 
So I get up in front of the class and I just start opening up the scriptures and I get all excited and I'm, you know, acting like CJ, you know, breaking it down. And, uh, and so I was doing all kinds of stuff up there just to get people's attention. So you didn't know I had those moves, did you? And, uh, but, but, you know, I would get all excited and, you know, started telling everybody that Jesus Christ is coming back. You need saved. Cricket. Cricket. I was excited. I was going by faith. I wanted to influence them. When I was done, Mr. Clayton walked up to me and he said, hey, I just want you to know you got an A+. And he circled it and put all these stars up there. He goes, but I looked at him. I said, did I influence anybody? He goes, oh, yeah, you influenced them. All right. They better get saved or they're going to hell. I said, because that's faith, right, church? That's who we are. So you get teased when you're a little boy, and then you're a teenager. And these were, this was my, my high school years. And, and I realized that walking in Christ was very difficult. I knew that adversity would come. Yes, I'm going to say something I've never said before in the history of this church. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your pastor is a pretty boy. You're shocked, aren't you? I know it. So... I, get, I become older, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, they would always say, have you seen Tacka with a girl? Is he gay? And that, fr- that, that would resonate with me. I'm like, so you mean to tell me that being pure puts me in a category? Yes, this is the 80s, and things have changed today. But reality is this. All of a sudden, now I'm an adult, and Pastor Rick and their church are like, we love coming to New Hope, and we love having baptismal services here because we have to see what you're wearing. I go, what? Yeah, this is the pastor's wife. We want to see what you're wearing. I'm like, okay, this is kind of strange. So we have a name for you. I go, what's the name? They're like, have you ever heard of this? You're like metrosexual. I said, I'm metro what? I was raised in the country. And they're like, no, you got kind of like swag. And what are you saying to me? They started to categorize me. So I started to feel insecure. I started to feel inadequate. I started to feel like, what are these people doing? Put me in a class of people? Are they saying because all of a sudden I'm a pretty boy that I'm like this or like that or whatever? I want you to know, 27 years, I'm happily married to this beautiful bride over here, Becky Tackett. And... uh, But throughout life, oh, better watch what you do. Better watch what you say. You know why? Because they did the same thing to Jesus Christ. They said the same crap to him. Because they didn't want people to believe who he was. That he was the Messiah. That he was the Son of God. That he had the power of Almighty God in his life. I want you to know, church, I am proud today to be a pretty boy. And I'm digging my threads today. But you know what? You live by faith. But every day I walk up here and I go, oh, no. What are they going to say about me? Could you guys hear that? Just saying. But now I feel like I'm no longer a slave to sin. It doesn't matter. I'm free in Jesus Christ. You're free in Jesus Christ. You're loved in Christ. And I want all of you to know that the story starts to unfold. And here's how the story goes. Jesus was praying in the fourth watch, which means between 3 and 6 o'clock. And as he was praying, Mom, are you cold? Tiffany, give up your your blanket for your grandma right now. We don't have the air on right here. Can we hook up grandma? And I'm on fire. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! I'm like, would somebody please turn on the the fans? I like what, what we were talking about in class this morning. You know, even CJ said, you know, sometimes when we're open and we're honest and we tell people about our journey there's healing in that and there's freedom and you know one of the things putting together this message was truly um you know looking at this this message in this text in light of 
what it's like to walk in Christ. And there's so much that now I need to tell you that, that I want you guys to, to really absorb today as a sponge. Pastor, why did you say all that? I don't know why I said all that. But I will tell you the foundation to our life is this. That no matter what people say, no matter what they do to you, no matter how they treat you, no matter when we started this church, that I would walk into a building of people that I used to go to church with and they were whispering about me, acting like I was some heretic, you know, acting like I was starting an occult, acting as if, you know, we would never make it. They would tell people, don't go to that church. That church is going to close its doors. Well, I want you to know that Tuesday of this week, New Hope Christian Fellowship did close its doors to North Hill Nepali Worship Church because God had a plan. But you see, God opened the doors up on 226 Southeast Avenue for us to continue the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. We have a job, church. Fill this place up. Let's believe in the 5,000. Roger and Dolores, I just want to say every week that you come here, my heart just swells up. And how my heart is so grateful for you two. Normally a pastor that, you know, Class 101 says never, never call people out in your, your service. It makes people uncomfortable. But because you came back and this was your church, I, I mean it with all sincerity. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be your friend and your family. We appreciate it. Yes, we realize that we've got to keep going on. We realize that we've got to have faith. And so here we are in this story. And I love this story because it's just so great. And I won't, maybe I'll just get to my first point and we'll just stop there today. But there's something I need to drive home today that I really believe that God is is stirring within me. It's just this, that when Peter saw Jesus, we start to notice that in this story, his faith starts to waver. And I was telling the men this morning that, you know, there's so much that when a pastor only preaches once a week or holds a small group or a Sunday group, Sunday school class or whatever, there's so much that I just want to, my mind sometimes feels like I, I, I just want to share every little move, minute, everything of this past week with you. And I only have so much time and then you'll get bored with me. You'll be going to sleep. Man, I don't want you to do that because I want you to stay engaged in what God has to say. But... When I start to see what God has done in and through this ministry, I am just humbled beyond anything any of you could ever imagine because it's been in my walk with him from a little boy to this adult life of 49 years old saying, God, I can't do this. I need your help. God, use me, mold me, refine me, reshape me, help me, God. I can't do this. And God starts to speak and he says, but Todd, you can't do it. But you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. Why do I drive that home every week? I drive it home because church, in our weakness, he makes us strong. And if you're walking in Christ, you'll say to hell with the old things and to heaven with the new things. I didn't say that in a swear word. I meant it for real. We've got to embody walking with Christ. So people will say, but pastor, how can you see? The only way people can see faith that you're walking in Christ is if you live it. You have to live it. And if your life never exhibits stepping out by faith, then nobody will ever see Jesus Christ in your life. Here's what I believe that our society is saying. Oh, there's another born-again one. Oh, there he is. He's a born-again one. Oh, he's born again. No, you know what I tell people? I'm not just here to have a religious experience. I'm here to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And my sole desire is to watch this church grow in the grace, the knowledge, and the power of Jesus Christ. That is what we do as a body of believers. Financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, we suffer. There's only one person 
that can help us get through this Jesus. You're facing some days right now where your faith is being tested. You're being tried. And it's in those times where you're being tried that God shows up, that he ushers in his spirit, and that he starts to rain down his love, his mercy, and his power, his grace upon you. And you start to walk in him. You can't walk in him if you're not surrendered to him. So in this text, in Matthew and in Mark, it states that there was Peter. Peter didn't feel so good about himself. We know that the scripture says that he was the rock, right? Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we see that Peter is the rock. And we start to notice that in this text, Jesus is praying. They fed the 5,000. I'll tell you right now, I fed, we can feed 500 here and I'm exhausted. Really, were you guys exhausted at the end of Easter weekend? That's a lot of work, isn't it? Could you imagine the disciples running up and starting to pass out fish and bread to every single person that was there? And I believe my God is perfect and he's accurate in his wording. And he said 5,000. He didn't say 5,001. He didn't say 4,999. He said 5,000. I'm sticking with that number. Here's reality. In order for us to live a life in Christ and walk in Christ, we have to first of all have faith. You heard me say that last week. Three points to the, to the message on starting and daring to be different. But what I watched in, in this text is this. Jesus is praying. He tells them to go across the lake, go across the sea, and he will meet them there. And all of a sudden, a storm rises up. Things start to take place. The raging sea starts to beat up against them. They start to feel a sense of fear that overcomes them, of anxiety Unsure of their footing because they're floating in a rowboat. And all of a sudden, this figure starts to come out into the water. And as he starts to appear, the disciples are shouting, Are you a ghost? What is it? Stay back. This thing is scary. And all of it, here's what happens. All of a sudden, Jesus says, Oh, it's me. Be calm. Because he was walking on water. Now, here's what I find interesting about this story. Is that although he was walking and, and he was teaching them yet another principle. Because, see, this is not a parable. It's a true story. There was but one out of the twelve who stepped out of that boat. And out of that boat came a man by the name of Peter. And we know his story all through the Gospels. We see it in Corinthians. We see what he did through, through John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We, we watch his life start to unfold. Hello, can I help you? And we, as, as his life starts to unfold, we start to see his faith is tested. Now watch this text. Watch what happens here when all of a sudden in Matthew 14, 22, it says this. Let me find it. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them and once says, do not be afraid. He says, be not afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. 
So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at uh, Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Oh, you of little faith. What are we going to do with Riverside? What's going to happen with our church, Pastor? What are we going to do? We can't have two buildings. How are we going to be able to pay for that building and this building? We're only a church of 150 to 125 people. How's that going to happen? I don't know how it's going to happen. How did it happen 13 years ago when we decided to step foot on 1157 Riverside Drive? And I said, oh, this is great. Looked at Leslie. We said, well, we bring it about $700 a week. That about covers not enough. I said, well, we live by faith. Let's step out by faith. And God provided. And we saw him work. And for the same reason that I am so grateful and I stand up here with you celebrating that we will no longer have two places to take care of. Amen? <laughs> Steve goes, glory. And uh, he's the reserved one out of him and I. But I do want to say your shirt's awesome, by the way. And, uh, but, but I will say that. I am grateful that we went by faith. And here we are at 226 Southeast Avenue. And I'm going to tell you something. We may not have a blinking sign out front because it's not about the sign. It's about Jesus. Church, it's time to confess your sins. Get your act together. Get your attitude together. Because today you're a winner, not a whiner. Today you're a victor, not a victim. Today you are a child of the Most High God. He has plans for this church. This church is not this building. It is the community that we keep. The church was the 12 guys in a boat. And out of the 12, one... Take that, Satan. How in the world will we ever do this? I'm going to turn it off. And here's what took place. He said, I believe... So he stepped outside that boat and he started going towards Jesus. Yes, he lost faith, but it's in our hardship that we start to notice. It's in that hardship that we start to notice that God shows up and he lifts you out from drowning. When you start to waver in your faith, know that God has great plans for you. And when you start to waver in your faith, know this. He'll send a lifeboat. And the lifeboat he'll be on. He'll be there with you because he's for you. And he cares for you. And that's our God. It's during our times of trials and tribulations that Jesus shows up. It's during those moments when I was just a little lad. That bullying took place. And it was in those times that even I was bullied by people. Maybe I was made fun from other peers. I've been bullied since I've been a pastor. Isn't that awful? But I'm here to tell all of you that in this world, you will have trouble. And the scripture says... But be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. Isn't that a great thought? Hallelujah. So I say this, if you are born again, then you are to walk in Christ. There's much said about our walk as Christians in the word of God. Consider some of these things that Paul speaks of to his apostles. He says this, Walking in the newness of life, he points out in, in Romans 6, 16, 4. In Ephesians 2, 10, he says, walk in good works. And walking in love is Ephesians 5, 2, walking honestly, walking in wisdom, walking in the spirit. 
I especially like what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In this story, Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water because he had faith in a Savior who was going to save him. Yes, I will tell you, and I stand before you, scared to death in this life. And I've often asked myself, God, what are you doing with me? These people are watching me. He goes, yeah, and they're watching me too. He's a man of his word. And he will provide. And God is going to provide. And on Tuesday when I walked over and I handed those keys to Prathya, Rayu, and I said, congratulations. And I hugged all of them. And I walked them around the church. And we had a little celebration dance. It was great to know that that church was started because we had a heart for people and for missions. And now there's a Bhutanese Nepali church that is in there that I don't know why this is happening, but their alarm system keeps coming up on my phone so I know when they're in and out of the building. And at first I started to get irritated, but I think God did that to me for one reason, to let me know that they're in the building, that he's still there and he's still going to do a work in their life. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. I would be wrong to say, and I would lie to you if I wouldn't say this, that I've been stressed to the max. I've been stressed. Trying to get rid of that building and trying to do everything that they ask. And it's, I think I have a little bit of PTSD dealing with it, but I... (laughs) But I will tell you that, you know, I know that in my weakness, he can make me strong and that he helps me. And so I have to rest in the fact that that door is closed now and God wants us to focus on Talmadge, Ohio. We're still in the Akron area. But he wants us to focus on one person at a time. And church, I want you to stop and do a little reflection of your own self. Are you the one that's getting bullied? Are you the one who's bullying? Are you the one who has great expectations? Or are you the one who says, no, I want people to see Christ in my life? Guess where Jesus is at? He's right there saying, take my hand. Take my hand. In this room and as I close, There was a story that I heard this past week, and I don't know why it keeps coming to me. But there's this little dude, and so I go into ABC, and James walks up to me. I said, hey, James, how's the family going? He goes, oh, family's doing well. And I said, how cool. I said, how's your little dude doing? I said, so did you get his hair cut, or does he still have that man bun like you do? Because James has long hair, and I call him a hippie. He goes, yep, my little dude has a man bun. Sometimes they call him a girl, and he doesn't like that. But I want to tell you something that my little dude did. I go, what did he do? He said, he went in the bathroom at school. This is at the end of the school year. And he said, and I, I think Todd, you'll appreciate this story. And I go, well, what happened? And he said, all of a sudden, there were these boys that came in this bathroom. And all my son could hear was that they were bullying him and picking on him. And they tried to pick him up. The kids screamed. They were going to try to throw him, his head in the toilet. Now, these, they're six years old kindergarten first grade so he said my little dude in his man bun look stepped outside of that stall and said dun da da dum put him down now or you're going to have to deal with me because I'm with Captain Underpants I've never seen that cartoon but I guess that's a cartoon I said he did and I stood there and I just thought how cool is that he goes you have one choice put him down I'm putting you down. And so the story continues to go on. And he says, uh, it was bizarre because we got this invitation. But before the invitation to this boy's birthday party, who's been picked on, he said, I got a letter from the school that, you know, your son did well today. These boys were bullying this other little boy and were really proud of what he's done and, you know, so on and so forth. They gave him a free 
little gift card to some McDonald's or something, I think James was telling me. But he said, I'll tell you what happened to me. I was humbled. I was humbled when I went to the birthday party. So I said to my little dude, dude, where's your friend that you, that invited you? They were picking me. He goes, dad, he's right there. He said, the tears swelled up in my eyes. Because that little dude was handicapped. And he said, I stood, and, and James is telling me this story. And, and, you know, he wipes his eyes. And he's so proud of his son. But he said, and I looked at, looked at that boy, and I looked at my son, and I'm like, am I, wow, am I doing right by him? Wow. This is, this has impressed me that my son would take on a group of boys to stand up for somebody. No matter where you're at or what you're going through, church, I'm here to tell you that when you're saved and you walk in Christ, and you start to live a life in Christ, the people should see that in your life. We need to surrender to His will in our life. And church, when we start to surrender our will to Him, God will start to move in your life. You know, faith and fitness... No matter, this church has, God has been just really moving in this church. I I mean, powerfully. And I know that God is calling some of you to to help with an addiction recovery program. And I know that God has brought you here for that reason and that we have a call. God didn't just, uh, there's such a sweet little congregation. We're going to place them over there. No. He put us here for a reason, and we've got to fulfill what he's done. And we, as a community, have got to step out by faith and do what God has called us to do. And that is to help people. Help people like that little handicapped boy. Because everybody always says, ooh, I don't want them around me. They have issues. Well, welcome to the Misfit Club. Because that Misfit Club, and I'm going to tell you something. I started thinking about this. We're the Hero Club. Because we're part of the club where Jesus Christ is a part of. And church, we've got to start stepping out, stepping on the water, having faith to believe that God will do something in and through us. Don't leave it up to Pastor Todd. Don't leave it up to a small group leader or a deacon or a trustee or an assistant pastor or whoever it might be. You be the one. Start writing your story of God's grace and mercy because there's 12 guys. One stepped out of the boat, and he's all throughout scriptures. What is your story? What's your story of redemption? What is your story of salvation? And I sat in a church in this pew right here. There was chairs. And I remember God calling me to an altar. I remember that day so clearly, 15 years old. And I knew that in my own inadequacy, I thought, I can't do this. Do what? Preach? I feel like this is awkward for me. This is uncomfortable. And then they're going to make fun of me. Man, I'm sick and tired of being made fun of. I'm sick and tired of feeling so inadequate and insecure and feeling like I'm just the oddball in the group. Man, God, you're not talking to me, are you, right now? And he goes, yeah, I'm talking to you. And I remember that day stepping outside of that and coming down here and praying and and hearing, you know, uh, the missionary to Papua New Guinea, John Gray, prayed with me. And I don't know if I told him that day that I surrendered. I don't know. But I know this, that I took that step of faith outside of that boat. In the midst of my storm, I hated high school. I hated the ridicule. I hated what they were putting me through. And I'm going to tell you right now. You know, when you walk in Christ, you will have trials and tribulations. But on the other side, there's such great reward and victory. And when you see people come to Christ and get delivered, there's nothing greater than that. But he wants to do the same thing for you. Will you surrender to him? When was the last time you made a commitment? When was the last time you said, God, I am sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me. Lord, I need your help. Here I am. Here I am. Grab hold. This morning I got up. And I copied this off. 
And I told myself this, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. That today, church, you're an overcomer. Today, church, you are blessed. Today, you are determined. You are able. You are growing. You are loved. You are courageous. You are strong. You are forgiven. You are capable. You are beautiful. You are intelligent. And you are a child of the Most High God. You are an overcomer. Peter stepped out of that boat because he lived by faith because he said, I can do this. If God is speaking to you today as you rise to your feet, will you come to him? Will you surrender to him? Put aside your pride. Put aside all all of the stuff where people have said you can't do it. I want to move Summit County and Portage County. I want revival to take place. Church, we can do it. He says, we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. God is with us. We are walking in him. I have seen him do things, and he is here today. He is with us. Will you embrace him? This song we're going to sing is called At the Cross. And at the cross is where we find hope. Church, please. You could say, oh, but Pastor Todd, you're so articulate. No, I was a man who couldn't pronunciate my R's. But I stand up here today because God took me and said, you can do this. You're an overcomer. Have faith. 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 faith. Raise your faith. Is it in yourself? Because if it is, you'll sink. But if it's in Almighty God, you will walk on water like you've never walked before. Amen. Father, we come before you and we just say, Lord, we love you. And we thank you that today we can be encouraged by your word. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we can be an overcomer. God, help us to be strong, be determined. Lord, help us to be beautiful in your eyes. God, today I stand up here to say to you, Hi, I'm I'm Todd. I'm your child. I come before you just exactly the way that you created me. I come before you with a space between my teeth, tall and skinny with a big nose. But Lord, I also come before you surrendered, sold out to do your will. And God, until you call me home, Lord, may we stand as a body, as one in unity. Realizing that you are the key to our life. And you're the one that helps us, sustains us, gives us the strength when we can't do it on our own. So God, today, take me. Use me. Take me to the next level. Lord, I don't want to have to step down under the water. Help me to step up and walk on water. Oh God, help your church. Help us move together. Help revival to take place. Lord, help us to be surrendered to do your will and not ours. God, move us. Stir us. Shake us up. God, thank you for your children that are here today. And I ask this in your holy name, in the name of Jesus.